Hello, Clear Skies Ahead listeners. This is Kelly Savoy, and I'm hoping you can take a moment of your time to rate and review our show wherever you listen to podcasts. We have produced over 60 episodes, and you can help us reach even more individuals that will benefit from the diverse experiences shared by our guests. Thanks so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy this new episode. Welcome to the American Meteorological Society's podcast series, Clear Skies Ahead, conversations about careers in meteorology and beyond. I'm Kelly Savoy, and I'm here with Matt Mall, and we'll be your hosts. We're excited to give you the opportunity to step into the shoes of an expert working in weather, water, and climate sciences. We're happy to introduce today's guest, Angel Enriquez, a meteorologist at the National Weather Service Forecast Office in Glasgow, Montana. Welcome, Angel, and thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. It's a pretty exciting opportunity. Angel, could you tell us a little bit about your educational background and what sparked your interest in meteorology? Yeah, so pretty much like the majority of meteorologists, there's this one defining weather event. For me, um, growing up in Houston, Texas, we had our fair share of um, tropical systems that went through, and Tropical Storm Allison was the one that did it for me back in 2001. I remember waking up one morning and seeing my dad in the middle of the street with water up to his chest. (gasps) Oh my goodness. From my recollection, my memory, that's the first time I had really ever seen a flooding event that um, big in our neighborhood. So from that moment on, I was just always interested in weather. Um, Always that little kid who um, would turn on the weather channel. Um, (laughs) It was funny because like even as a little kid, uh, this may sound super geeky, but I would pretend like as a storm is coming, um, I would get my mom's broom and like go outside <laughs> and pretend I control the weather. We wish. Yes. <laughs> my parents should have known by then that I was going to do something like that. So then, yeah, going into um, high school, I really had a tough choice between two things that I wanted to do. Uh, I really liked playing the clarinet. So I I initially thought that that's what I wanted to go to college for. It was something related to music or musical performance. But I think towards senior year, I had a choice of taking a early math class over the summer so I can take an AP calculus class during my last year. And uh, yeah, that teacher was the one who pretty much helped guide me into college and finalize what I wanted to do. So at that point, I applied for the University of Northern Colorado, among two other schools as well. And yeah, I was finally able to convince my mom to let me go out of state, even though it technically <laughs> wasn't her choice. Um, but it's that's sort of the hard thing living in a Hispanic culture, a Mexican culture. Um, it's really tough leaving family behind. But that's what I ended up doing. So I started at the University of Northern Colorado in 2011. And I got my bachelor's in meteorology from there. That's awesome. So, you know, it's interesting because you're not the first podcast guest who also played a musical instrument and wanted to pursue that and then went into meteorology. So I don't know if there's a, you know, it's that right brain, left brain. It seems like people who are artistic have a certain, you know, side that 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 happens, but... 
it's interesting to see somebody who's, you know, wants to pursue a science who also has that, you know, that uh, artistic ability to play an instrument as well. So that's really cool. Do you still play? Oh, no. I no? wish I, I could. Um, once I left um, high school, I just dropped the ball when it came to playing. But <laughs> I still every now and then pull out my sheet music and I, I can still actually still read music. And I, I think that's maybe why I like music is because of the challenge of being able to read music and playing or being able to play these really complicated rhythms and notes. And I think it's always been like wanting to fulfill that challenge of like doing something hard, sort of like with music, with math, with meteorology. It's challenging, it's stimulating, and it's fun. I was going to say, it's kind of like reading music is kind of like a math problem. Um, so maybe that's what, that's the connection between mm -hmm. musical instruments and meteorologists. Indeed. So what opportunities have, have you pursued that have led you or that you knew were going to be beneficial to leading you to your, your current role at the National Weather Service? Yeah, so I mean, it really all begins, um, for, for me, it began really in high school, just being able to take those um, um, math classes super early on. Um, it's nice because you have the advantage of having an entire school year dedicated to one math course. Uh, you're not going to get that in college. It's just a semester, really. So for me, that was really great having that familiarity with tough calculus uh, with uh, peers all around me and a teacher who was really excellent. And then going into college, I think really it's all the extracurriculars that I honestly did outside of school. I mean, it's one thing to um, do your coursework, um, fulfill your requirements, but that's not going to make you stand out in a, in a resume. Mm -hmm. It's really what else you can bring to the table. And so for me, it was doing volunteer work. Um, I sought out, uh, an assistantship, um, with the, um, National Oil Center for Atmospheric Research, NCAR, and just really getting to network people. Honestly, that, that's probably the best way to do it. Even if it's just a quick minute or two chat, sometimes that chat can carry on years later. Um, and it's always beneficial to get to know new people. So did you always want to work for the National Weather Service? Like, What was your first job in the field? Um, how did you end up where you are now? Did you think you wanted to pursue a different area in meteorology at first? Or were you always set on um, working for the government? Yeah, no, it's always been my dream to um, work for the National Weather Service. It took a, a road to get there, but um, yeah, no, um, I never gave up on that dream. Though at the same time, um, what I did um, after college uh, with a private weather company as a marine meteorologist, I honestly found the um, joy in doing that job as well. So, like, in the back of my head, I always wanted to do something with the National Weather Service. I didn't know how I was going to get there. But through things like the assistantship at NCAR, that pretty much, it was great experience. But I knew at that point that I really didn't want to do research. Um, so then I moved on into, like, after I graduated, doing um, a private sector job um, for forecasting. And 
honestly, that operational style of work is really what I enjoyed with that job. And I knew that it would translate well going from private sector into the public sector. But I never really discredit the jobs that I do. Like I always have found some sort of joy in them. Even if it wasn't meteorology related, I had plenty of other jobs um, while I was going to school um, for my bachelor's. And I absolutely loved every single job. of One was a work-study job. One was a retail. I like working. It keeps me entertained. keeps my mind from really drifting off to the middle, like doing nothing. Yeah. And I mean, any type of position, you're going to learn a different skill that's going to translate well to the next job. So the the job that you had um, doing the marine meteorology, did you were you able to network through that job? And that's how you um, ended up at the National Weather Service? Yeah. So um, interestingly enough, it's right across from the National Weather Center in Norman. So we always had like a group of meteorology folks within the um, research campus. So yeah, the networking was always there, the opportunities. Uh, within the job itself, um, it brought me more skills in how to communicate um, and cater to specific people or specific groups. With this um, company, we specifically provided forecasts for um, companies that um, do cargo shipping all over the world. So I got to learn about the whole supply chain um, process and all the madness that COVID brought um, to it. But it also gave me the opportunity to not only do the job from here in the U.S., this company is um, headquartered outside of the U.S. So it gave me the opportunity to go to places like Japan, um, Denmark, Greece. Oh, wow. Cool. And it gave me a sense of like the culture um, behind not only their business, but meteorology and how they see it. Yeah. Just point of view. Like I didn't didn't have to do that from the comfort of my desk. It was it was great getting to meet all different types of people with this last job. That's fantastic. And so at the at the National Weather Service where you're uh, working currently, it, is there a typical day? What, what are some of the uh, responsibilities that you have, and how does your how does your day progress on um, on, on a general day? Yeah. So. Um, well, I'm getting into the flow of really working for the National Weather Service. Um, I've only been doing this about two months now, um, but it's been a pretty hectic first two months. Um, I will say that um, I started um, at the end of June and almost the entire month of July was severe weather um, for us um, constantly. So I really got into the whole feel of showing up doing my training and doing some of the related tasks like social media, uh, making graphics for that, and doing some um, text products as well, but really getting to learn how severe weather operations really goes. And it's great that I got that within my first month. Sometimes it was a little tiring because, yeah, it went on for a month straight. Um, we hardly ever get severe weather up here in Montana. But, no, yeah, it was great experience. Um I even had uh, an opportunity to do a storm survey um, with the tornado that we had, um, not that far away from the Canadian border, but within our um, CWA. That that was really an experience I would never, I never thought I would have had in my first month. Oh my gosh! So 
Do they usually have tornadoes in Montana or is that like a fluke? <laughs> it, it, it is not as common as in other places like Oklahoma. Um, we typically um, get tornadoes, but smaller. Like this one was an EF2. So it, it was a big shock to a community. Um, it went through a town and yeah, it, it was tough to see the damage. Um, someone's roof came off. It was a big farming community or um, agriculture community. So just seeing all these grain mills bent and torn up and uh. buildings just shredded. And surprisingly, the, in the five years that I was in Oklahoma, I never saw any tornado damage um, near me. I never went storm chasing. I never did any of that. So it's pretty crazy that I got that in my first month in Montana. I know. Tor- tornado Alley, nope. no, no tornadoes, <laughs> but go to Montana. <laughs> There for a month, you get a tornado. So I know you've only been there for a couple of months, but so far, what do you like most about the job? Honestly, it's really getting to provide these forecasts for the public uh, in our CWA. I think for me, it's always been public service, volunteering, um, just the satisfaction of answering someone's question or providing them something or information that will benefit them or save them. That's so satisfying for me. And I'll answer phone calls during severe weather days. And because we had severe weather um, for like a month straight, uh, I would call some of the same spotters um, within our CWA and they would recognize my voice um, so well. Um, and they, they're really appreciative. There are some people that are really appreciative of the job that we're doing, even if it's just calling to get, um, storm damage results or, or trying to get in those reports. It's nice because you get to chat with them afterwards, even if it's for a brief minute or two, you get to know them. So if, yeah, for me, it's just a public service. Absolutely. No, making those connections, right? Those community connections that are so, uh, so important. Um, and so what would you say are some of the biggest challenges that you're, that you face um, working for the National Weather Service? Yeah. Um, I think Really, what I've seen lately is not so much um, affecting just the National Weather Service, but um, any uh, entity that provides um, forecasting material or products is the amount of like disinformation that you see online or products that are given way out in advance of a like a forecast beyond seven ten days and. People sort of like hype up the the scenario, um, and it just brings a lot of mistrust uh, with people who do ingest that information. So, yeah, being in, on social media, uh, it gives us a better platform to get to everyday general public. But at the same time, we're competing against people who who think that they <laughs> they are doing some service by providing these scary. Um, 24-foot snowfall graphics. But um, but I think that's something that we'll just always have to combat. There's always going to be those people. And it's just our focus is to better communicate the uncertainties, the um, probabilities that goes behind um, forecasting. Right. I mean, you know, being from New England, I- I'm not going to look at anything that's even more than three days out. <laughs> I'm just not going to do that because it changes so quickly. 
I can't even imagine, I don't know, like planning an event, checking at the 10-day the forecast and thinking that that's going to be even the slightest bit accurate. So hopefully that with better communicating, and I'm sure the National Weather Service does lots of social media and you know, you're a trusted source. So hopefully people have learned to just you know, pay attention to those organizations or their local stations where they, they know that they're going to be getting correct information. So hopefully that will get better. Right. So I want to ask you if there's anything that's happened during your career that you're the most proud of and if there's anything that you wish you may have done differently. Ooh, that's, that's, that's a difficult one. I, I would say it's not so much an accomplishment that's happened in the career itself. It's the fact that I was able to do this at the same time as I was working. Um, I also, um, in the last year, um, started a master's program um, at the University of Oklahoma in hydrology and water security. That's an online program where essentially I'm learning the ins and outs of hydrological processes, modeling. Um, so it's sort of like going off of what I was saying with my initial event that sparked my interest in meteorology. I learned all the meteorology aspect to it. Now it's time to learn the other part. And I knew it was going to be hard because I was working also full time. And at the same time, I was transitioning from one job to another. And I think the fact that I was able to do that and still have that work-life balance, yeah, for me, that, that was quite an accomplishment. I don't think that if I had done this two or three years back, I would have been able to survive. I think I, I had to get into the groove of how to manage my time at work, or like have that work-life balance so I can better prepare for filling in this extra activity now. Yeah, I mean, it was. it's nice that it was online so that you were able to relocate for this position and it didn't interfere with that. So that's a plus for sure. And so the second part of the question, anything you wish you had done differently or done sooner or um, you know, a, a course you thought you might have wanted to take or should have taken when you were in college that might have helped you now in your career? Yeah, so I'd probably say... If I could go back to the start of my um, bachelor program for meteorology, I would probably do that all over again the first two years. Um, <laughs> it was it was a rough transition um, going from high school into college. Just the fact that the courses were so short within a semester, um, I wasn't really prepared for all the stress that would come along with it, the homework, the time management necessary for that. So my grades weren't that hot the first two years. So if I had the opportunity to do that, I would definitely do that over. Um, but at the same time, it's sort of like my failure in like getting better grades um, sort of is what pushed me to finish out my last two and a half years strong I took a year break um, during my bachelor's um, after my first two years because of financial reasons and the performance that I was doing. I was just like, I'm just going to take a year off, um, see what I'm going to do, and then come back to it if I still want to do that. And I think that I definitely needed to go through that in order to um, get where I was. Now, if I were to do that again, I now have the 
the resources, the mentality um, going for me. So I could probably do that in a shorter amount of time. But um, yeah, it was one of those things that I regret, but at the same time, I don't. Yeah, yeah. It's almost good that you were able to realize that you needed that break, and you know, it was it was probably the best thing for you. So, um, you know, not everybody would would have had that forethought and <laughs> might might not have finished, you know, um, without that break. So good for you that that you were able to do that. And I know that I, I've heard from other people I know who've taken AP courses in high school and calculus and done pretty well, and they went to college and they're like, oh boy. It's a whole different animal. It's really, really, really hard. <laughs> so I'm sure you're not alone. No, yeah, I completely agree with that. And I think maybe if there, there's one thing I would like tell people who are going through a similar situation or just going into college is don't be afraid to fail. Yes, um, it sucks that maybe you don't get the letter grade that you want in one class. But if you have the opportunity to take it again, do it. It's... It's not going to be, no one's going to look at you that bad because of the fact that you retook a course. It happens all the time. So I, I even hear with, within the meteorology community of people having to retake um, upper level math classes. Oh, ab- absolutely. No shame in that. Everything truly is a, is a learning experience for sure. Um, so what advice would you have for people who are uh, job seekers right now looking to get into either National Weather Service or uh, just meteorology in general? Uh, what advice would you be able to give them? Yeah, so I'd probably say, um, first of all, have a good sit down, brainstorm, write down everything that you've done um, since you started high school, any volunteer opportunities, um, assistantships, of, uh, internships, have that all on a piece of paper because really the way you present your resume is how you're going to stand out among um, the other applicants. Uh, for the National Weather Service, it's a different format. Uh, there you don't have to be concise or like um, very shortened with your resume. Feel free to elaborate. You have it many pages Um because the thing with um, applying for a federal job, there's a very strict criteria that they're looking for in order for you, your application to even be revised. So definitely print out the, um, the job announcement, read it carefully, and um, go from there. Um, have someone look at your, your resume. Don't just think that your draft is going to be enough. Um, it's always great to get a um, second opinion. Yeah, that, that's definitely good advice. And I, I, Angel, I have a question for you about the National Weather Service. So when you apply for a position there, are you applying for a position at a certain office or do you apply and then they let you know like where you're going to be? Yeah, so um, it really depends on if there are going to be other um, openings or announcements for other vacancies in other offices as well. I happened to be applying during a um, during an announcement that had, I think, like 20-something other um, um, vacancies. So in order for them to, um, I guess, narrow down um, and not, like, overwhelm them with um, applications, they give you the opportunity of choosing your top five preferred locations. And 
So that's what I did. I um, listed my top five. If um, your application gets referred to the hiring manager um, after its review, it gets sent to every uh, every office that you applied for and those top five preferred. And then from there, um, the hiring managers will then um, determine if they would like to have an interview with you. Hmm. So did you get one of your top five? I did. I got interviewed for the Glasgow office, Houston, Riverton, and Goodland. That's great. But yeah, I, I, I had Glasgow up top, surprisingly. Um, I had known the previous MIC here, and I was just like, what great opportunity then to learn from the environment, the office, where she prospered so well. So just like, I'm going to come out here. That's awesome. So I guess some advice for some of these job seekers would be to be um, open to traveling or relocating. Absolutely. If you have the means um, to leave your comfort zone, I would definitely suggest it. I mean, this country is beautiful. Um, There's so many great things out there. Um, And I've never been one to really knock out a place because of the fact that it's unknown to me. Like I never in my life thought that I would be in Oklahoma and I ended up staying there for five years. Um, hmm. I found the beauty in it and I'm pretty, pretty much how I expect it to be here. Well, I'll find the beauty in Montana. Right. You don't mind the heat. <laughs> I don't mind the heat here. Um, I happen to live in a basement, so it's nice <laughs> not having to finally rely on AC and it still be within 78, 75 degrees um, in my room. It's amazing. So while you attended the University of Northern Colorado, you were um, part of your local student, AMS student chapter. You were, you were president of the chapter. Tell us a little bit about that experience. Um, did it help you with your leadership skills and professional skills for, for getting positions in the field? So me doing the um, presidency um, for my local chapter, it definitely gave me an opportunity to see what other people would like to do or like to see out of their organization. I've always been one to always uh, propel the wants and needs of other people. And so I think having that position gave me the opportunity and the ability to improve my skills and like patience, empathy, just overall good leadership skills. Um, I think one of the things that I learned is that in order for one to be a leader, you really have to learn to be a follower as well. And prior to uh, being president, I was active in my local chapter. And yeah, I think slowly what I learned through the years is how I thought the organization could be run within the school, but not only just my view of that, but how other people collectively would like to see the chapter grow. So it gave me great opportunities to learn those people skills, those professional skills, and carry that on um, into my career um, um, through various roles that I've had as a supervisor, um, training people. It's been it's been great. Yeah, I'm sure it's, it was a lot of fun too. I know that Local chapters have lots of fun campus events and community service events and um, lots of camaraderie. So um, I'm sure it was a really fun experience in that way, too. Mm -hmm. 
Well, Angel, we're so grateful for everything you've told us about your career. And uh, just before you go, we always like to ask our guests one last fun question at the end of our show. Um, so what is your favorite band or musician? I'm actually going to answer both of those. Um, so when it comes to bands, I think Paramore is definitely um, my favorite uh, musical group. Uh, I've been listening to them since I was in middle school when I'm not even sure if they have this, but like MTV still played music in the morning. Um, Gosh, I loved MTV. I miss MTV. (laughs) Yeah, for me, it was just always a great part of my day to starting off to music. And Paramore had just really started blossoming during that time. So, yeah, Paramore would be my musical group. And then for um, actual individual musician, I'd probably say... Sam Smith. Uh, he's got a beautiful voice. Um, definitely can relate a lot to him. Yeah, that that voice will will carry me to sleep, but not in a bad way. But yes, <laughs> I have heard of Sam Smith, but I haven't I haven't heard the music. So now I'm curious, and I have Spotify, so I'm gonna have to play him when I get off this podcast with you because I love I love like that kind of soothing sound. So um, I think that would be an artist that I would be interested in. Absolutely. Well, thanks again for joining us, Angel, and sharing your work experiences with us. Thank you for having me again. Um, It was always fun and always a pleasure to provide advice for um, people doing the job hunt. Well, that's our show for today. Please join us next time, rain or shine. Clear skies ahead. Conversations about careers in meteorology and beyond is a podcast by the American Meteorological Society. Our show is edited by Peter Trebke. Technical direction is provided by Peter Killalay. Our theme music is composed and performed by Steve Savoy, and the show is hosted by Matt Mall and Kelly Savoy. You can learn more about the show online at www.ametsoc.org forward slash clear skies and you can contact us at skypodcast at ametsoc.org if you have any feedback or would like to become a future guest.